Morning, everybody. Romans 12, 1 and 2. So here's what I want you to do, God helping you. Take your everyday, your ordinary lives, you're waking, you're sleeping, you're going to work and walking about life and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the very best thing that you can do for him. This morning I've got the, the privilege of sharing a bit. Um, I love this book. How many of you love this book? Not this particular one, but you hope you got one like this. Piers is a bit lighter than mine. Mine is for bashing my three kids. But I want to encourage you that all throughout this book, there are characters that we, that we read about. They are amazing, inspiring characters. And this morning, I look out across this auditorium and I see amazing people. I see phenomenal people. And inside you, I see attributes that I've read about in this Bible. I see young men who are like Timothy and Titus, who have learnt and been discipled and care for the things of God. I see young men who are um, courageous like Hezekiah. I see women like Ruth and Naomi. I see women like Hannah who want to pray. And I want to encourage you that in this book, you'll find gems that you can unpack and place into your own life. Because what these guys did is they took whatever, wherever God put them. He said, God, thanks for putting me here. Let me use my life to reflect your glory. And this morning, we're going to read a little bit about one of the characters in the Bible. But how many of you here are parents? Can I, can I see by a show of hands? How many are parents? Fantastic. I'm speaking to the converted. Let me give you a little example here this morning uh, around willful obedience. I have three magnificent children. They are beautiful. Thank you, Natasha, for your help with that. She was our midwife. My children are amazing. <laughs> Katie's my wife. That was the midwife. Done. Thanks, Pierre. Good catch. But as parents, how many of you have had this moment in the morning? And I'm going to give you options as to which is the best response. Hannah, my dear, won't you go and make your bed? It's the same request every morning. And one morning it's, oh, yes, Dad, sure, Dad. And off she goes and she makes her bed. That feels nice, eh? Let's try the second option. Oh, fine, Dad, I'll make my bed. And off she goes and she makes her bed. The third option is, do I have to? Benj hasn't made his bed this morning. Why do I have to make my bed? Option three. Finally, option four. I'm not making it. You make it. Now, as parents, which one of those responses feels best? Because willful obedience is an amazing, amazing attribute. And with that as a bit of a background, I've got the kids to tell us who their favorite Bible character is. Have you got it? Thanks. Jess and Hannah. Jessica, who is your favorite Bible character? Hannah. Who's your favorite, Jess? Daniel. Daniel. Why? Because I don't know. Because you don't know. Okay, but you like Daniel. Yeah. Who's your favorite Bible character? Benjamin. Benjamin's your favorite Bible character. Yeah. Why is he your favorite Bible character? Because his name is Benjamin. Oh, okay. Amelie, give us your gunsling person in the Bible. Hot. My favorite person, two persons in the Bible, are David and Solomon. Because David tells me such good stories and Solomon is so wise in his decisions. Who is your favorite Bible character? 
Why, Peter? Because he's um, the preacher. He's the preacher. Okay. Alexis, why are you so Bible? Jesus, want I so live for us, night now I for us. And Hannah, who's your favorite? Hannah. Why? Because you prayed to God. And you like that? Yes. Who else is your favorite Bible character? James and Peter. Oh, why? Because <laughs> James is my resident. Daddy is Peter. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Give me a smile. <laughs> my son. And uh, his favorite Bible characters are all his family members because that's all he can remember. But the point is that if we asked a lot of the kids in kids' church who their favorite Bible character is, there's a lot of names that come out. And um, many of them we've heard of, and one of them we might have heard of a lot is the name Daniel, because kids love the story about Daniel in the lion's den. And I'm sure many of you know that part of the story. But what you don't know is the rest of his life around the book of Daniel and why his life of obedience shouted so much more than what he had to say. And this morning, I'd like to say that it is a remarkably special service for me this morning because our, Kate and I, our youngest um, nephew is here this morning and he's one and his name is Daniel. And Daniel, you might not even hear this right now, but I want you to know that in your life we see so many of the attributes of Daniel etched in you that you will be a man of conviction and power and prayer. So, with that as a background, I also have the privilege of working in a business that is growing. Now, one of the great things about a growing business is that you get new staff. One of the negatives about a growing business is you get lots of CVs, and you have to read them. And so I want to read you Daniel's CV, if you, if you indulge me for a second. Daniel, a.k.a. Balthazar, past experience, deportee, child refugee, solid friend, Temporary vegetarian, dream translator, advisor to a king, another king, another king, and another king, prime minister of Babylon, an up person in a down world. Attributes of Daniel, a purposed man who was devoted to his principle. Obedience to God in the pressures and the stresses of everyday life. Truthful and persistent in prayer. Delivered from prison from lions and from enemies, wise and intelligent, and lastly, good-looking. It says that in the Bible. Some of the references on his CV. The immigration officer. He served faithfully for 70 years in a foreign land. The deportment officer. A young teenager, strapping, intelligent, and keen to learn. The headmaster of the Royal Academy. He was intelligent and full of potential. The chief of the eunuchs. He ate carefully and lived prayerfully. The lions. He tamed our hunger and kept our mouths shut. The four different kings. He was wise and he was intelligent. The wise men, the astrologers and the magicians said that he understood mysteries that they could not understand or interpret. Jewish history remembers him as an icon, a prophet, 
and an example. His three closest friends, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, or Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, or as my son says, to bed we go. He was a man of conviction. And finally for us, he's a hero in the faith. That's a pretty amazing resume, don't you think? And I don't know what your resume is today, but I can tell you this for free. God's going to use whatever your past experience, if you'll place your life before him, to give you a spectacular future. Won't you open, won't we close your eyes and we're going to pray quickly. Lord God, we pray, Lord, that as we share your word this morning, Lord, won't you teach us, won't you give us a heart for you, Father God, a heart to run hard after you and have a heart of obedience towards you. I pray, Lord God, that as we share your word this morning, that, Father God, it would be your words and your conviction of heart that would go forth. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. This morning, the title of my my sermon is called The Roar of Obedience. Have any of you ever been uh, camping or up? I'm from Joburg originally, as you can probably hear. And when you go to the bush and it's a quiet, still evening, you can hear a roar from miles and miles and miles away. It feels like something is very close to you. And I'd like to suggest to you that if we had lives that are lives of obedience, we don't have to be right next to someone for our obedience to affect them. The roar of our obedience will travel miles and miles and miles in this world. And so this morning, the book of Daniel has taught me so much about an obedient, faithful heart etches far further than we could imagine. So, Let's think about Daniel's bit of context. If you've got your Bibles, it's in the Old Testament page there. We're going to go throughout the book of Daniel today. Amazingly, that Daniel was in his teens when the Babylonians took him, took him captive. Daniel and some of his, his mates were placed in the Babylonian palace where they, were, they attempted to change them by changing their names, their language, and their education, their frame of mind. Daniel rose to great power in the kingdom of both Babylon and Persia, which were the biggest nations of that time and the most powerful. And he served. He served the kings of that country as a statesman, as a counselor, and as a prophet. Daniel was an example to the Jews of the time and to us of what it means to be a man of purpose in his day and his age. And amazingly is that Daniel's times were very much like our times today. The things of God were not honored In that country, and it needed a man of conviction to stand firm and say, This is what God says. So, this morning, we're going to learn five quick lessons from the life of Daniel. There's lots more, I'm sure there are lots more, but I've just picked on five, and I trust that they'll apply to you this morning. Um, The first one, if you turn to Daniel 1, verses 8, or 5 and 6, 7 and 8. While we can't be certain, Daniel was probably a young teenager. When he, when he was taken captive. He was probably around the age of 15. We've got a couple here. How many of you are about 15? Josh, you're 15. Good. Now, that's a pretty tough time to get taken captive. He was removed from his home, from his family, and placed in a foreign land. Now, King Nebuchadnezzar at the time said, let's give these boys the choicest food, and let's put the food in front of them, and they can eat of it. And I want to serve them. I'm pretty sure it wasn't like it is this month in my house. It's not the end of the month, salty cracks. I'm pretty sure the king's table was well spread. I'm pretty sure they could eat whatever they want. So to Josh's favorite, he would have had verses 8. Across the table. And he would have chosen from them. But let's read from Daniel 1, verses 8. But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would, he would not defile himself 
with the portion of the king's delicacies, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore, he requested of the chief of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Let's look at that verse again. The first thing I'd like to pick up from Daniel's life and the example that I'd like to share is that it says that Daniel purposed in his heart not to eat the food that the king had provided. It then says that he may not defile himself. What that implies is that the food that was on the king's table was something that his tradition, his Jewish tradition, didn't allow him to eat. Now, I don't know about, about you, but some of us have different things. You know, I work in a business world in Cape Town. Some of the rules might feel a little different from Monday through Friday than they do here on Sunday. But Daniel was taken out of his context and placed in another context, and it said that he knew in his heart not to defile himself. What that implies is that he knew, he knew what his parents had taught him. He knew what the law said he should and shouldn't do, and therefore he didn't do it. It could have been very easy for Daniel just to say, well, I'll just snack on that piece of ham or that pork sausage. I'll have that. That looks amazing. But he didn't because he had purposed in his heart not to defile himself. And I want to encourage you this morning that you can also purpose in your heart. The other part is that he did it before he was at the king's table. It's very hard when you're sitting in front of decadence to purpose in your heart at that moment that you shouldn't eat of it. You need to purpose in your heart before you get to the situation that may or may not defile you. The second part I love is that in that scripture it says, he purposed in his heart that he wouldn't defile himself. Therefore, he requested the chief of the eunuchs that he may not defile himself. Daniel's purpose in his heart led him to a point of action. So often for many of us, we have a purpose in our heart, but it doesn't extract itself into something of action. And Daniel had this purpose. He said, I can't defile myself. Therefore, I'm going to ask the chief of the eunuchs that I don't do it. And so he had this depth inside of him that said, I need to do something about this situation. I need to speak up. And that was what the purpose of the heart was. And so how did, what happened after that? Quick little history. Straight after that, he then asked the chief of the eunuchs. And with God's help, he had to re-ask him again. How many of you have had that moment where you, you think, okay, I'm going to say something. And the first time you say it, it lands on deaf ears. And so Daniel said, Mr. Eunuch, I don't want to eat this stuff. And he said, no, well, I don't want to upset the king, so eat it. And he had to go again and say, Mr. Eunuch, I really don't want to eat this. And then he went again. He said, actually, you know what? I'm not only not going to eat it, but won't you test me and say that I won't eat it? And so he tested himself. He said, I'm not going to eat this stuff so as not to defile myself. And what happened to the him men attained to it? It says in the Bible in verse 17 that these four men attained knowledge, skill, wisdom, and for Daniel, he got an understanding in visions and in dreams. And here's the part I love, is that they honored God with their purpose of heart and their actions, and so God was honored. Isn't that cool? But the second part in verse 20, it says, how did Nebuchadnezzar find them, which was the king? He says he found them 10 times better than anybody else in the training. The purpose of their heart and the actions with which they lived it out made them favor with God and with man. And they broke some of the rules. Isn't that amazing? That their purpose and heart did that. So that's the first one, is that we need purpose in our heart. So if we fast forward a couple of years, a few statues, some pretty cool adventures, some big dreams, we're going to get to the second point. 
in Daniel 6, if that's okay, if you can turn there. Daniel 6, verses 10. I'd like to suggest to you that in the book of Daniel, that marked Daniel's life was his passion for Jesus. That God was not only the purpose of his heart, but he was also the central focus of his attentions. Daniel 6, verses 10. It says, And in his upper room, with his windows opened towards Jerusalem, he knelt down on his knees three times a day and prayed, and gave thanks before his God, as was his custom since very early days. We find out later that this daily routine that Daniel had was what actually threw him into the lion's den. But there's two things I want to pick up from the scripture for you first. The first part is that it says his windows were open. Daniel knew that he was doing something against what God wanted, uh, the, the king wanted, but was what God wanted. And you know what? He wasn't ashamed of it. I love that. I love it so simple that he said, I opened my windows. I.e., people could walk past and see me praying, the king of, praying to God, praying to the king of kings. How many of us only pray in our cars when no one else can see us? I know sometimes I sing and people in the traffic think they, that I, they can actually see through my tinted windows. But many of us, we hide what God is doing. But what Daniel is showing us is that, that, that act of opening his windows and saying, God is more important to me, you can see what I'm doing with God, actually marked his life. So he opened his windows. The second part is that it said, he gave thanks to God as was his custom. And all throughout this series, we've been talking about a life of worship. And so many of us, are we live lives of worship in spontaneous spurts. But Daniel's life teaches us that it says it was his custom. Three times a day to kneel and to praise God. The part that I love about this is that a life of praise is both dedicated and spontaneous. And that Daniel, because he trained himself to praise God, he found it easier to be spontaneous in those moments where he had to. Times a day with our trained to get to that point. And this morning, many of us don't pray three times a day with our office door open towards Cape Town, but we can praise God at least once a day in our rooms where our wives and our children can see us and know that God is central and the most important part of our lives. The, the third point I'd like to pick with you, if you go back in the book of Daniel, a couple of chapters, please, to Daniel 3, verses 16. So Daniel had a purpose in his heart. He had a passion for Christ. And the third one, which I love, because some of these men are here in my world today, is that he had relationship. He had people in his life. Daniel 3, verses 16, it says, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If this be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But if not, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. I'd like to suggest to you is that Daniel knew who was in his corner. He was both a personal man of conviction but he surrounded himself with men of conviction. And it is amazing when you have men, in my case, and women who will stand with you through the highs of life and through the lows of life and throughout it all 
be people who are dedicated. Three boys were thrown into the fire and to conviction. Daniel wasn't in the moment where the three boys were thrown into the fiery furnace. But you know what? He was in spirit with them because they'd learned to be men of conviction together. Godly friends, being one and having them, are a huge asset in life because we know that whether they're with us or not with us, they've got our backs. And Daniel's life teaches us that in so many ways. So Daniel had a purposed heart. He had a passion for Christ. He surrounded himself with amazing people. And fourthly, he gave praise where praise was due. And um, as Christians, we are fortunate enough to be influencers and influenced by our time and our days. And not all of us, we don't find ourselves in the same places every day. We find ourselves in different places each and every day. But that's an opportunity. Whether you're a headmaster of a school in Caledon, or deputy headmistress here student in Stellenbosch, or a businessman in Cape Town, or an entrepreneur in Somerset West, or a student in Stellenbosch sometimes, it doesn't matter where you are, but you can use that for God's glory to take him into that world. And what I love about Daniel is that it says in the book, it says, the king answered to Daniel, this is in Daniel 2, verse 47, it says, truly your God is the God of gods and the Lord of lords and the revealer of great mysteries, for you have been able to reveal this mystery. Then the king gave Daniel high honor and gave him many great gifts and made him ruler of the whole province of Babylon and the chief prefect over all the wise men of Babylon. Daniel made a request of the king and he appointed Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego over the affairs of the province of Babylon. What I love about Daniel is that in the moments where God came through for him, the first thing he did was give the praise straight back to God. He didn't take it as a personal thing and say, yep, I, I, I interpreted that dream for you, king. I'm a rock star. <laughs> he said, God, the glory and the honor, the answer to your, the vision to your dream. And it's to God be the, the praise and the glory and the honor. And then the king appointed him to a great position. Many of you get appointed to very great positions. The challenge is, who do you give the praise to when you get promoted to that position? And the last one I want to leave you with this morning is that Daniel had amazing perseverance. Daniel didn't waver when the hardships of life arose. Daniel 6. If you've got your Bible, get a pink marker and highlight this section if you can. Daniel 6 verses 19. I'll read it to you. It says, Then at the break of day, the king arose and went in haste to the den of lions. As he came near to the den where Daniel was, he cried out in a tone of anguish. The king declared to Daniel, O Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to deliver you from the lions? Then Daniel said to the king, O king, live not harmed me. Our God sent an angel and shut the lions' mouths, and they have not harmed me, because I was found blameless before him and also before you, O king. I have done no harm. Then the king was exceedingly glad and commanded that Daniel be taken up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den, and no kind of harm was found on him, because he had trusted in his God. Most of the people know the story of how he got there that he faithfully prayed, and that people in his situation were trying hard, they were jealous of his influence that he had, and they were trying to displace Daniel. 
Many of you feel that you might be in a workplace or in an environment where people are trying to displace you because of your beliefs or just get around you or just move you to the side. And actually, Daniel, his perseverance of faith said, it doesn't matter that I get thrown to the lions. I'm still going to trust God. I'm still going to honor God. And what I love about his perseverance is that the king couldn't change the law continually. And in a tone of anguish, he said, Daniel, the God who you serve continually, i.e. his lifestyle to that point had shown the king one thing, that he had a continuous life of faith. And his perseverance of faith was what the king recognized first when he came running towards Daniel. Has, the, has, has your God saved you? And then Daniel answers, he says, because I was found blameless before God and before you, O king. I love that. Because it means that we, as men and women in this present day and age, have the opportunity to be people of integrity before God, but also before those that we serve and we honor, whether they be Christians or not Christians in this day and age. So Daniel is one of the hardest books for me to read because it's not my personality type. I'm much more like Peter in the Bible. I make mistakes all the time. I doubt, I trust in God, and then I'll take my eyes off and I, I slip into the water. But Daniel, for 70 years, was faithfully following God. And this, the first one is questions which I ask of myself more than I ask of you. The first one is, have you purposed in your heart to follow the things of Christ? Because no one can make this decision except for you. I can't make the decision for you. I can only make the decision for myself. What is the central purpose of my heart? And is it to follow the, the things of Christ? The second question I have is that, is God the passion of your life? I loved what you sang this morning, Nadine, because it showed that God is the passion of your life. And that when he is, we can lie on his chest and he can be called beautiful. Do we commit that time, the energy, and the space to show God that he is a passion in our lives? Thirdly, who is in your corner and whose corner are you in? Are you spending time with amazing men and women of faith who are people of conviction? Um, it's not always easy. Sometimes they convict you of things that are every day. But in the long term, those are the people that you want in your corner every day and in every bout of the fight. Fourthly, when God turns a situation for your good, do you give him the praise for turning it around? And finally, when the tough times come, which they will, do you run or do you pray? Because Daniel chose to pray. And God closed the mouths of the lions around him because he decided to devote himself to life of obedience. The roar of obedience is not one where you loud and brash about it. It's about a life that is submitted to Christ, that doesn't waver and is one of conviction. And because of that, has great impact in this world that we live. So why don't you close your eyes as we pray. Father God, I want to thank you, Lord. We can look at the life of Daniel and see, Lord God, how you were faithful in his life. And Father God, this morning, Lord, as we are here, this can be trusted, faithful in each and every one of our lives. And that, Father God, that you can be trusted. And Lord God, I just pray, Lord, that as we've shared these very quickly, Lord God, I pray that, Lord, we would repurpose each of us in our own hearts to follow after the things of Christ. 
that, Father God, it would truly, truly, truly be a desire of the heart to follow hard after you. And that, God, as we do that, that the other things would come in line, Lord God. I thank you, Lord Jesus, that those hearts here would be able to just sense and know the will of the Father, that he loves them, that he cares for them, and he wants the very best for them. And that by accepting that, Father God, we can truly repurpose ourselves and set ourselves apart for the things of you. In Jesus' name.